0: That you say that we are that we are your own, God we belong to you when, when you tell us that God our prayer is that we would learn to receive that into our life that we would forget those things that lie behind us the things that are in our past and press on God in you in your name we pray God this amen amen you may be seated Hallelujah. You came to the right place, let me tell you. Mm, 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 mm. We're in a series. First of all, the first set of messages was on who God says that he is. Not not just wipe out. It was never about what people or who people say God is, it's what God actually said about Himself in the Word of God. Remember that if you want to sum it up, you could put it like this, God is love. Remember we talked about the prodigal son, but really we redefined it as the waiting father. And in that story, when you take a step back and you look at it with that perspective, you, you think of a father, in, in in Isaiah 30, verse 18, it says that our God, the creator of the universe, it says that he waits. He looks long and expects to be gracious to us, to show grace to us, to, to give us, to bless us. And then blessed is the person that knows that, that really looks long and expects for God's victory in their life. See See, the person that doesn't get that, that doesn't have that revelation in their life, they're always thinking that they're, they're who God you what what's up, God? Now, now this morning I, I would love to preach more and more about that, but we we've already gone into the next step, and, and I'll go back. let me tell you, we got a lot of time. Not just today, but in weeks to come. But we've been talking about this next set. is not only who God says he is, but the the title of the series that we're in is, Who Does My Father Say That I Am? Again, your mama might think that you're all that, but God thinks you're more than all that. And sometimes that's hard for us to receive. And, And, you know, our paradigm of who we are in God or who we are, period, a lot of times is based on just life circumstances that have happened to us. Kind of as what we've talked about is the older brother in the story of the prodigal son. And, and remember, he was deceived in thinking, Father, you haven't even given me a goat to celebrate with my friends. See see, when it was almost like the scales dropped off his eyes or should have dropped off his eyes, to realize everything that I see is mine. It says in the beginning of the story, the father split his belongings, everything that he had, and gave to his sons. Now, now stop and think about that. That sermon that I preached, a lot of us work not just as a Pharisee, you know, like sometimes we think of that story, the older brother is, but a lot of us work under the assumption that, that somebody's going to get our stuff, or or that what, why aren't we being uh, blessed more because we didn't do what the younger son is doing or done in his what was? So? Last week we talked about the apostle Paul and how he was called Saul initially, and the Bible says he was standing and people were putting their coats at his feet while they were stoning Stephen. Stephen was a disciple of Jesus and he was telling them about the things of Jesus and they got so mad, remember, that they picked up stones and they, they got so mad that they began to stone him, why? Because their belief system was challenged. We're going to talk about that in another step this week. But And Saul was there and he was given approval. Oh yeah, yeah. Now, I don't know if he was rooting for certain, you know, Jeremiah hit him in the head, you know. I don't know what he was doing, but he was given approval, it says. We know that the next verse in chapter 8, I believe it is, that it says that Paul, and Saul, he goes throughout the area persecuting the church. Even we, we talked about how he went to Damascus. He asked for permission to go and get Christians. Remember in Damascus, when all of a sudden something happened. Jesus showed up on the road to Damascus and revealed himself to him, you know, to to, uh, Saul. And all of a sudden, things immediately changed. Instead of thinking of himself as as all of that, as a Pharisee, as a a doer of the law, he began to look at it differently like some of us. Instead of just being a, a doer, we're actually a beer. Of the love of God and God's love in us, and and Paul says, you know, all the stuff that I did in the past is just sum it up. It's it's waste. It's all about my confidence in who Jesus is and what He did for me. This morning, I want us to go to kind of a, a, another character in the Bible, and and probably uh, maybe even more familiar than even Paul. His name is Peter. And why I use these is because all of us have heard about Peter and Paul. I'm not going to speak on Mary next week, if you're wondering, but uh, some of you that were born after 1980 probably are thinking, Who, what is he talking about? But anyway, <laughs> just for my older comp- is out there. But, but there's something about our belief system being changed. And when I say f- belief system, I want you to hear this because we're going to use this through the message. It is when our belief system something that we've built up in our own minds, in our own life. And it is real to us. And it is so real that you can't necessarily be talked out of it. The way things happen in your life. And, and what I mean by that is the, the things that have become predictable. Two plus two equals four. There's something about us as, as people that, that we we don't like the two plus two equals five. Or two loaves and five, you know, 5,000, five are you kidding me? That math don't work. And, and our belief system has kind of a, uh, you know, ah, it just... And, and that that resonates throughout the whole Bible. And, and a lot of people... Let's, let me t- say this. When something becomes predictable, it becomes familiar. And when it becomes familiar, it becomes what? Comfortable. And we settle in that belief system that we think that, you know, this is the way life works. If I do this, the things that God says, then I'm going to get this. And, and God says, well, do you believe me for your salvation? And there's a lot of people that say, you know, that, that, I believe him for my salvation. We swim in that pool of salvation. In other words, we believe that He came. He was a man, but He was God. He walked on the earth for three years. He died on the cross. He was buried in a tomb. We celebrate it every Easter. You guys know this. He resurrected from the grave and He ascended to heaven and one day we'll be with Him. Hallelujah. That's the salvation. That's the blessed hope. I'm not making light of that. But God says, I've come to give you life to the full, to the abundant, to the overflow, that not only do we have life, but we have enough to share the good news with other people. That means in wholeness of our own life. Now now listen to me, because this is where belief systems start kind of... Slow down, Pastor. You're going to be talking about my predictability. You're going to be talking about my familiar, my comfort. And what I found out, this is just me, but what I found out is that there's two reactions. It's called fight or flight. When somebody gets startled and their belief system starts shifting, you know what I mean? Just starts... Last week we talked about people that wanted to fight when their belief system. Paul was a fighter. And both of those come with fear. That's why I've been having Lisa sing that song, especially that part. He whispers in my ear that I'm fearless. Who does the Father say that I am? One thing that he says, you're fearless. And we'll see that in Peter's life this morning. And I hope that it applies to you because if not, you're either going to want to fight when something comes against your belief system or you're going to say, I'm out of here. Boom. Peter was kind of the guy that was out of there. You know what I mean? He was like, uh, stage lift. He was gone. Now, now, hear me, because a lot of times we feel like we're all that, but we're just an eight-ounce glass capacity. And as I told you in my life, even, even as a pastor growing up in the church and hearing hundreds and hundreds of sermons, that I, I, I came to the fact that I was just an eight-ounce glass of water, and God had told me, what if I have a gallon to pour into you? Would you be able to hold it, John? And, of course, the answer was no. And a lot of times when I came upon a situation that wasn't, I wasn't comfortable with, I would either do that, fight or flight. You know, fighting is sometimes making fun of. And and that's what the world does to the church a lot of times. Their belief system is shaken, so they start going, uh, let's put on TV and be cynical about people that go to church or, you know, the believers in God. Have you ever noticed that? Do do you realize that when your belief system is shaken, it it really will determine on, do you believe in this? Who does my father say that I am? Do you know that when we talked about this, I looked at this one year ago, this month in July, we we went through a series called Recognition Brings Revelation. And until you recognize something, you can't have the revelation the Holy Spirit is trying to share with you. Now, now listen to this. Let me just kind of give you an, an example. Remember when Joseph goes to Egypt and remember he's the second in control. He's really the prime minister of Egypt and he's, he's prophesied over the seven years of feast and then seven years of famine and his brothers come and they're starving and the family from Canaan and they come and they're looking for food. Remember, the need is what? Food. The answer is in the room. It wasn't piles of food was in the room. Joseph, their brother, was in the room, but did not recognize him. The Bible says that Joseph recognized them, but they didn't recognize, his, recognize their brother Joseph. Now, now listen, if you get in a place where you do not recognize the revelation that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you, you will gravitate back to the fact that you just want comfortable, predictable, familiar. It doesn't take even work. It, it is the default mind system that goes, and you just play it over and over in your mind. Let me, let me give you just an example, but I know that you're living examples of this, but I want you to see in the Word of God how this happens in a person's life that you go, man, that, that, that's my life. So I want to challenge you because as we're in these series as a met series of messages, we're building upon one another to get to the place where we understand not only who does the Father say that we are, but the authority of the believer. Remember, God in His love cut covenant with man, Abraham, Abram, Abraham. And then in Galatians chapter 3, what Gwen spoke a couple of weeks ago, the benefit package that is ours, Why? Because the blessing that that came on Abraham now is on the Gentiles, that covenant. Why? Because of what Jesus did for us. And the question is, do you believe it or not? Does your belief system allow you to receive what God has for you? Or is there a place, a stopping, you know, a stop loss where you go, I can go this far in that, but you know, (laughs) why not? And then fight or flight. Now, now watch this. The The first passage is in Mark chapter 1, and I encourage you to read these, but it's about Peter. Now, now let me just kind of try to summarize this for time, but in Mark chapter 1, and this is out of the Passion Translation. I think we might have it out of the I Do you have the Passion? Anyway, I'm going to say it out of the Passion Translation. And it's the same, listen to me, because I'm going to say it in a minute. Did he read that a while ago? Yeah. I'm going to read the same story out of another gospel, the first seems like, mm, that's pretty vanilla and they must have left something out. The, the second passage of scriptures in Luke, the first is in Mark. And in Mark is a lot of times thought to have been dictated by who? Peter. Because Mark is writing down what Peter, they think, said. And I think that Peter assumes some things that Luke's going to put in that will explain it even more. Now, now, in Mark chapter 1, it starts out the gospel, the good news of Mark. And it talks about Jesus walking along, teaching, and he sees two brothers. And then he sees another two brothers, which is uh, Andrew and, and Peter, Cephas, or Simon. And then he sees two more, uh, James and John. And he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And immediately they drop their nets and follow him. It is, does that seem like they forgot something? Mark forgot something? Come on now. Would any of you just do that? We'd be like, not this guy. I'm comfortable in making nets, fishing. I've got a livelihood. It's a risk to trade what I've got for what I could have. But anyway, it says this. I want you to see this because I want to build on it. In this passage in Mark chapter 1, it says after they follow him, it says this. This is kind of the title of the next part of it. People stunned by Jesus' teaching. That's kind of like the headline. That's the news that's going to happen. Because here's what happens. It says immediately Jesus starts teaching on the Sabbath day. Have you ever thought why Jesus taught and healed on the Sabbath day a lot of times? Personally, I wonder if he didn't do it just to kind of tweak some of those people's belief system. You can't do that! Why not? Sabbath! That's all I got. Sabbath! But he healed a, blind, he healed a man's hands withered. He, he did. But it's Sabbath! Stop him! Belief system. All the fighters are ready to stone him. We don't hear about the people that are flight because they're gone. Because they are... Listen, it says that they're awestruck. I love that word that they use because their belief system, and just like yours and just like mine, a lot of times we're cruising, and until we are awestruck with something that comes into our life, we don't allow God to be God in our life with our belief system. We've already got something figured. We got him figured out. And let me tell you, I'm not trying to be critical and I'm preaching to myself because here, here's what we do. Is we want to know systems in our life. And, and God doesn't work all the time like we think he works. And what my hope is for you is to allow God to be God in your life. Now watch this. He starts immediately preaching on the Sabbath day. And it says that, listen, the people were awestruck by his a uh, teachings because he taught in a way that demonstrates God's authority. In other words, it was challenging their belief system. It says which was unlike the religious scholars. In other words, I put in here not familiar, not predictable that had become comfortable. This is the way that we've been taught, this is the way that it's always going to be. But it says this, as he's teaching suddenly Again, this is that bump. This is that, oh my. Suddenly, during the meeting, "Ah!" a demon possessed guy screams out. Now, can you imagine somebody screaming out in the middle of the service? I don't think anybody would be listening to me. They'd all turn and go, what in the world? Have you ever been startled before? No. Have you ever thought, mm, I don't care. No, no, you're looking. <laughs> I remember I was at a funeral and everybody whispers at a funeral. And somehow the family decided that they wanted to have a guy in a bagpipe player in full kilt behind the funeral service start playing at full throttle and march out. Now at a funeral, you're all kind of whisper. Huh, huh, huh. You know, at a... It didn't take anybody to go, do you hear that? Everybody went, ah! So I can imagine there is a definite bump going on in people's belief system. A demon-possessed guy shouts out, and Jesus just goes, come out of him. Boom. The demon comes out of him. So what happens? It says the crowd was awestruck. Let me tell you, they were awestruck that day. Again. And kept saying among themselves, What is this new teaching that comes with such authority? With merely a word, he commands demons to come out and they obey him. So the reports about Jesus spread like wildfire throughout the countryside, the community of Galilee. What happened? Again, for the first time that they're watching and they're they're exhibiting or they're seeing things exhibited through Jesus' teaching, actually, a lifetime experience happens. They are unknowingly going to be sitting in a service listening to Jesus when something happens out of the ordinary that they're not familiar with. Their lives are changed. I believe that people that exhibit or that were there in those experiences in the Bible, I believe that they were part later of the early church because their experience of being in a place changed what? Their belief system, and it changed their belief system of what? Who the Father said they were. See, you're talking to people that were the weak. They were the... The no names in society. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up and starts speaking life into them. And taking authority over the enemy. Now now listen to this. This, this is going to have some time to process this in your mind. But what I found out, it's strange that life gets harder when you try to make it easy. Now that's, that's kind of opposite of what we've heard before. We know that life is hard, and a lot of times we, we try to make it e- you know, easier because it just, okay, life isn't. A, but here's what I'm meaning. In the context that I'm using that, when we try to make life easy, it can become hard. Do, do you know that it, it's, we think, well, let, let me just say it this way. It's easy when our little kids are growing up just to let them to do whatever they want to do, isn't it? Because they're whining and they're. Wanting to do this, and they just—it's so much easier. But how many know it's not easy for you when they turn about thirteen and fourteen? <laughs> and all of a sudden, the little guy that you've given everything and let him do whatever he wants, or she—all of a sudden, he's got a voice like this, <laughs> and you're looking and going. What was that passage about? Come out of him, you know? It—it's it, Exercising is hard. Can I get an amen? There's a few of my Facebook ladies that I, I go on and I get encouraged by their exercising. I, you know who I'm talking about? Exercising might be hard, but never moving, you'll find out it becomes harder when you become, you know, stationary. Praise God for trainers. (laughs) Coaches. Let me say another one. Uncomfortable conversations are hard, but avoiding every conflict is harder. Let me tell you, you know this to be true. Mastering a craft, let me tell you, it's hard. But having no skills at all are harder. See, the person that avoids, you know, all the, the ability to be trained in, oh man, that takes too much money, that takes too much work, one day realizes that all that would pay off for him. Let, let me say it again. It's strange that life gets harder when you try to make it easy. It's the same thing with our belief system. We go through life and we, let me remember, or let me remind you, it's so important that you're, that when you you have a belief system and out of your belief system, what you believe is an individual. And it, it could be different than your husband, it could be different than your wife, because that's sometimes that's where the conflict comes from. But your belief system will, allow you to make choices. And then out of those choices, it will put you in what? An experience. That experience will then confirm or maybe readjust your belief system. If we're not careful, we're looking for the easy belief system. Have you ever, have you ever heard some, and, and don't raise your hand if you did this, because I know I have, and, and it was years ago, and I'm like embarrassed to even say that I did it. Well, you never know what God will do. Sometimes He says yes, and sometimes He says, well, no. It's makes so common sense. But what we're really saying is, sometimes He tells the truth, and sometimes He doesn't. Every promise is, well, maybe. Every promise is maybe. I know it hurts, but our belief system, just because we make it easy, doesn't mean that it's right. It might be comfortable, it might be predictable, it might be familiar. But it will lead back to who you believe that you are. And the ripple effect of who you believe you are, who the Father says you are, is everything. Whether you're going to experience the abundant life that Jesus came to give you. Now, now hear me. The good news is you're not going to hell. You can still go to heaven, but you're forfeiting things that could be yours right now. Life is hard, but let me tell you, it's harder the way of the scoffer. I talked to... This lady this week, and she's a friend of mine, and and she, I'm not going to tell you the situation, but but she says pray for us, you know, because I talked to her and I said, she goes, you don't drink, and I go, no, I don't drink. I, I make stupid decisions without drinking. I'm just not going to drink. I mean, that's. <laughs> and she's. <laughs> No fun. Well, fast forward to this week, and she goes, man, pray for us. We had a pool party, and everybody got so drunk. My husband beat up his best friend in our bedroom and threw up. There's blood on my comforter. Let me tell you, it's hard being in the way of the scoffer. But no, you don't have any fun, John. I don't have throw up and blood on my comforter at home. Come on now. I don't even have that in my notes. That was for free. Here we go. Look, look at Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Same story, different perspective, just kind of giving us a little bit more uh, definition, more explanation. And listen to this. It says, on one other occasion, Jesus was preaching in the crowd, and, and it's at the lake, and, and and there's so many people, they're pressing on him, okay? So he gets close to the water, and, and then he... Look at this. I'm just going to read this part because I love it how this translation. It says, Jesus climbed into the boat belonging to Simon Peter. Stop just a minute. He just climbs into it. In this translation, it says he just climbs into the boat, and then he says to Peter, let me use your boat. Now, we know that Jesus knows years in advance what's going to happen, but I love that he gives the choice of Peter to say, Okay. <laughs> this is great because I know where I'm going. Look at this. Let me use your boat. Push it off a short distance away from the shore so I can speak to the crowd. So Peter says, yeah, okay, apparently. And Jesus begins to teach. And some of you know what's coming up, but I'm going to put a little different, maybe a revelation, and I hope you recognize it. Look at it. When he had finished, he said to Peter, Now, row out to the deep water. To cast your nets, and you will have a good catch. Now, he says, Master, Peter replied, you're a carpenter, I'm a fisherman, you fish at night when the fish are biting, you don't fish drink. No, he didn't say all that, but he could be thinking that. That's my belief system, Peter says. Because listen to the, when the belief system is put to the challenge, we, we hopefully you know this passage, but it says this, it says, Master, and I, this text, I love it, it's kind of like, Master, I'm going to give you a compliment. Then I'm going to give you uh, a knee in the gut. Then I'll compliment you at the end and make it a baloney sandwich, okay? (laughs) Master, Peter replied, we just uh, come back from uh, fishing all night and didn't catch a thing but if you insist we'll go out again and let down our nets because of your word. Now we've been talking about transformation and we know that words will change our thinking and he's probably been listening to Jesus teach because he's in his boat. I always pictured that here's here's Peter fix you know cleaning his nets and probably one ear is listening and Jesus I'm assuming is speaking what he's always been speaking about is the kingdom of God and, and walking by love and walking by faith. And I'm sure Peter's going, on your word, Master, I'll, I'll do it. And it says when they pulled up their nets throughout their fishing, when they pulled up their net, they were shocked. Now, this translation is shocked, but you could use awestruck their belief system is put to the test and now their their eyes are seeing something that their brain their belief system can can't comprehend they just what in the world miracle now if you read the rest of that they're shocked they pull up so much and again i want you to hear this because i need to, i need to hear myself say it because it's so enlightening that not only are they pulling up four or five hundred fish but they wave It says their buddy's over with their boat. The fish is so many that their boat begins to sink. Come on, this this is mind-boggling. Their belief system of fishing during the day after they just fished, they're catching all this. Do do you understand what I'm saying? Their belief system is now going, oh, no. What was familiar, predictable, and comfortable now has been turned on its ear, and they've caught more fish than they've probably ever caught before. Because if they'd ever done this before, it wouldn't have been a miracle. It would have been another good day of fishing. Now listen, here, here's what Peter says. Because remember, fight or flight, and both of them are based on fear. Fear. When Peter saw this astonishing miracle, he knelt at Jesus' feet and begged him, Go away from me, Master, for I am a sinful man. Now, why didn't Peter run? Because he's in a boat. And he hasn't learned how to walk on water yet. They were all, even the other disciples, the sons of Zebedee, they were all awestruck, it said. What does Jesus speak into their life? Remember the song that we've been singing? He whispers in my ear that I'm fearless. It says, Jesus answered, Do not yield to your fear, Simon Peter. From now on, you will catch men for salvation. Now, what, what, is, the, what is the result of that? They begin to build or welcome a new belief system of who Jesus is. He, he goes from a teacher to a master. Look, look at it. It says, then when he's saying all this, it says, at the end, after pulling their boats to the shore, they left everything behind and followed Jesus. It makes a little bit more sense now why they would do that. But I want you to see that because of the great catch, it was a, a shifting of what they saw in their belief system. Just like when the demon-possessed man cried out and was cast out, the demon-possessed a belief system shift that all of a sudden they begin to believe something that wasn't familiar, comfortable, or predictable. And for years, they would begin walking this out and watching things that did not make sense begin to be common. Belief system comes choices. Out of choices come experiences. If you're taking notes, this is big. Listen to this. To leave your belief system of who the circumstances of life say you are. To leave that system. And you know what I mean by circumstances of life. You, you've been through circumstances of life like a lot of people. A divorce. Um, uh, a, a firing of a job. Uh, disagreement with family. Uh, a health issue, all those things that we call a journey of life, when to shift from that belief system that you've created of just, just simply the circumstances of life speaking into your life, when you shift to actually listening to who the Father says you are, listen, here it is. Ready? Drum, oh, the drummer. Okay, here it is. You have to make a willing choice to have a new experience Now, now stop and think about this this is Peter he would go down in history as a nameless forgotten first century fisherman but because of his choice to put himself in the boat yes I'll go with you on your word watch what happens They will build a church to him called St. Peter's Basilica. I was able to go see. It is the most amazing, extravagant building, if not in the world, that I've ever seen. It was built in like 1500. It took 120 years to build it in monument to him really to Jesus and because he was the the first follower or the first person with the revelation of who Jesus was. And and listen to this, 120 years to build, but it was built on top of Nero's circus, which really wasn't animals, but it was the, the entertainment of Rome. The persecuted Peter in the early church, the Peter building is built on top of that. Now, now, rewind all the way. Here you are, and you have to make a choice. Do you allow God to be God in your life and speak into your life? Or are you ready settled with, this is how he works? I mean, come on now. Let, let me just take a minute here. It goes with everything from, believing in the word of God says walk in love. To trusting God with our income and tithing. It goes to everything, uh, talking about um, not walking in fear, having faith. Uh, Come on now, loving one another. Belief system is very intense, it's not just one part of your life. Listen to the experience. If Peter would not have allowed Jesus to borrow his boat, he wouldn't have had the invitation to push out to the deep. If he wouldn't have had that invitation, he wouldn't have caught the great catch of fish. And then he wouldn't have believed, so he wouldn't have followed Jesus as his disciple. If he wouldn't have followed Jesus as a disciple, he wouldn't have been a part of all the things that he saw. Feeding of 5,000, raising of Lazarus, Himself walking on water. Huh? Wouldn't it be great to walk on water? Well, that's a little moon walking, but that's, you know, who knows what he was doing? He, well, pastor, he he sunk. Did you know that, pastor? Yeah, but the, all the other 11 guys didn't get to say, I walked on water. Stayed in the boat. He, he wouldn't have experienced all those miracles. He wouldn't have been able to preach to 3,000 people and they got saved or 3,000 people got saved on the day of Pentecost he wouldn't have been able to say you know that he was part of the early church that spread across the world if he wouldn't have started by allowing his belief system to be challenged now let me end with this passage of scripture about Peter in Matthew chapter 16, this is towards the end of the ministry of Jesus and Peter and Jesus' relationship. And it says this, Jesus is talking to his disciples and they kind of have a sit down meeting and he says, Who do people say that I am? And, and you know the story, some said, uh, they're saying that you're John the Baptist, some say that you're Jeremiah, some say that you're the, a good prophet, and then Jesus puts them on the spot. Why? Here, here's my take. Let me let me see what your belief system is. Who do you say that I am? Well, <laughs> gotta go. And I'm sure as they're thinking, Peter, he just all in. He says, "You're the Messiah, the Son of the Living God." Now, now again. We're talking about our belief system. Jesus is 30-something years of age. If you were your age, would you sit under a pastor that's in his 30s? Come on now. That guy don't know anything. How do I know? Because I was a 30-something pastor. (laughs) The only one is coy. I don't even remember my name right now. <laughs> Can you see them sitting there and Jesus is saying, who do you say that I am? All of them probably know what he wants them to say. But their belief system is challenged to the point, do they, are they, are they going to be fearful? Because once they say, you're the Messiah, boy, that's a big statement then you've got to believe what you just said. If Peter would not have gotten the boat and pushed out into the deep, this last part where Jesus says, Peter, you were given that revelation by God, the Father. Listen, he said, I believe on that revelation, that's what's going to build my church. Because I'm the Messiah. Because of what you just said, on that revelation, on that rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, this is what's, if you don't, if you don't understand where I'm trying to go on this, here's what I want you to hear. He's been given a new identity. You're a rock, Peter. And when you fail in a couple days, when the young girl goes, Aren't you a desire? I don't even know Jesus. I want you to continue to remember that I called you a rock. Let me end and we'll go, we'll continue next week. But here's what I want you to get who do you say that I am? When you answer that question that Jesus asked all of us, who do you say that I am? The answer of that, see, because to be honest, everybody can go, well, you're Jesus, the son of God, the Messiah. You're, you're Jesus. But we know what our belief system says. Because if he is Jesus, it's a whole other whole nother take versus, well, he's a, he's a teacher, good teacher. He's a prophet. Well, and he might have been just this old character that we learn about doing good things about. Now, again, I can't speak for your belief system, but a lot of times your belief system will show you how you answer that question, who do you say that I am? Well, let me say this. Your response to that question will then determine how you receive... who the Father says you are. Because if you believe that he's the Messiah, then he did come to die on the cross for us that our sins are forgiven. So that when he does things in our life, that life doesn't add up because he's God. You can't have children, the world might say, just out of science. And God says... Aren't you glad that my truth trumps the day facts that are there? Let let me say, the world's flat, the world's flat, you'll fall off the end of the earth. That's a fact of the day. Aren't you glad that God's truth turned out you can go all the way around the globe and not fall off the earth? When you walk by faith and not by sight, there's things that happen in people's lives they don't make sense but we've allowed God to be God in our life mm. recognition brings revelation i want you to ask yourself this week when you are honest with yourself don't don't you don't have to post it on facebook But if you just are honest with yourself to this place in your life, when the things that are in the Word of God, do you pull up short on some of them and say, that's not for us in this day day and period? Because when we get into the next part in a couple weeks about the authority of the believer, there's going to be some of our belief systems that are shaking a little bit. And here's the last thing that I'm going to say, maybe. (laughs) Jesus says, through the word of God, through Paul, remember when his scales fell off his eyes, now he's writing to the church at Corinth. In 1 Corinthians, he says, he's taken the things that are weak, the things that are lowly, the, the things that are forgotten. Listen to this. And he makes them the strong things, the mighty things. And then he comes back and he says this. Who does the Father say that we are? We are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus. Now, this is some of our belief systems that are going, "Mm, I don't know about that. Because some of us might have done some things that we're not proud of that we still can't feel like we're forgiven. But when God the Father looks at us, here's what I want you to see just as an illustration. We we get behind Jesus. And the Father sees Jesus. And we are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, today, God, we we pray for strength, that God, that when you speak into our lives that our belief system is shaken, and and Father, we we don't want to walk in fear. And God, as the the song that we confessed out of our mouth, you whisper in our ear that we're fearless. You sing a melody that, that, that reminds us that we are all that you say that we are, that we belong to you. And Father, when the, when you have sent Jesus and what he did for us, we know that before we came to you that there is no righteousness, no, not one, but because of who we are in you, that we are the righteousness because of Jesus. And Father, I just pray for my friends today. That God, you know that we live in a world that tries to influence us and persuade us and get us to compromise and God we pray for your grace not only to forgive us when we do wrong but God give us strength to be able to do what's right next time and the power to continue not to lean on our own understanding but God to acknowledge you in what we do and the way that we go and Father today as we leave this place in a few minutes that we allow you to begin to speak to us through your Holy Spirit about our belief system and who we truly say that you are in our life. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. We're going to dismiss in a few minutes, just a few minutes, but I want to say that uh, as John Miller, not the pastor of the church, but John Miller and newly appointed grandpa, I am just so blessed to be a part of a loving church family. You know, it's one thing when you're a giver, because we've given to so many people, and our church has blessed people, and it feels good. I mean, I love it. Sometimes Gwen and I are the ones that are actually taking the food over if somebody's in the hospital or if somebody's had a new baby or whatever. But it was kind of humbling when the church brought food to us. Now, it wasn't because of John Miller. It was because Heath and May are staying at John Miller's house. (laughs) But if they're staying at my house, I'm eating some food, too. So bring that on up in here. (laughs) And I remember, you know, Gwen and I going, oh. Again, to be reminded. You know, Lisa and Aaron uh, brought some food over to our house. They brought, I mean, Sarah brought all these things, uh, little Pop-Tarts for the, the foster kids that Heath, is father and he, May are keeping, and Grandpa had to have one of them Pop-Tarts. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's good to be a part of a family and a community. Now, now let me just say this. I, I appreciate all that you've done for Heath and May, and and yesterday was Luke and Sabelle's uh, baby shower, and, I mean, good night. Just, if you go through something in life, let us know. We want to bless you because we've been blessed. And, and, and I, I, I say that because a lot of times as a pastor, I, for some reason, I'm the last one to know. <laughs> Do you know that they were in the hospital two weeks ago? No, I didn't know they were in the hospital two weeks ago. So let, let our prayer team let me know. But if you don't want to let me know, let our prayer team and they'll let me know. And we'll give food to you. We'll come visit you. We'll take care of you. We'll, we'll speak encouragement in your life as much as we can. But we thank you for all that you're doing at this time for the Miller family, and uh, it is appreciated very much. Uh, also, on another note, I appreciate John Hillard. Uh, John and Sherry aren't here this morning, but they fixed the air condition. Doesn't it feel good? Yes. And uh, I know that it's been pretty warm, and, uh, but it, it's better now, and there's a little few more tweaks that we have to do on the air condition and things like that. Which leads to my last announcement. If you would like to give, remember we have several ways of giving. Uh, You can give today in the offering. we got two good looking men back there with offering plates that you can drop in on the way out. You can drive by the church and drop it in the mailbox. Twiler is the one that checks the mail often. And then the third way is give online. That's one of the easiest ways to give. If you think sometimes that, man, I don't know what button to push and all that. I might give so much. Go ahead and take the risk. I'm kidding. You won't give too much. You can do exactly what you need to give. You can even set it up monthly, and if you're like me, I always like to know that I gave and I, it, I did it at the first when the money's coming in, and so I don't have to say, Gwen, did you give the touch She goes, it's already given. What are you doing? Okay. So it's easier that way sometimes to give online. But we do appreciate your generosity because it helps pay for the bills. It takes stress off and everything when we have more than enough to be able to bless people in times of need. Amen. Why don't you stand? I'm going to bless you and then you're dismissed. Father, blessings on my friends. And God, I, I just, I, I thank you. Because God, you have told us just through the covenant that God of Abram that God, he was blessed to be a blessing. And God, as we've entered into that community of family, God, that's our axiom. A self-evident truth that needs no proof, and that is that we are blessed in order to be a blessing. And Father, as we leave this place, I pray that we would be thankful, and Father, that we would see with eyes and allow the scales to fall, the deception, and not to listen to the world, but God, keep our focus on you and your word. In your name we pray, Amen. amen. Thank you for coming this morning.